You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great, it's a real privilege to be here. Uh, those that uh, weren't here last Sunday, I was away, I was missing. I really appreciated people praying. I was in Tanzania. Hopefully I've got a little video that should come up now which would just give you a flavour of the... Put your hand up if you've been to Africa proper. Yeah, I went to South Africa before. They told me that's Africa light. It doesn't count. <laughs> Africa proper. Yeah, if we could just roll this, it'll be brilliant. I will talk over it to so just keep it going. This is Sheshi. He leads the church. He preached here last year. Uh, we uh, took an offering at the end of his preach and gave him £3,000. This is where they started the church, which was next to the beach, which is part of the city. This is the city of Dar Salaam. It's about five million people that live there. This is a quarry where they break the stones by hand. These are the children that have been taught the gospel that have come from that quarry. This is where they meet on a Sunday morning. There's an international uh, musician there, my son. This couple, they go into prisons and serve prostitutes in the city. So, I mean, I know I talked over it. I just thought it was an incredible thing. Three things that I wanted to share. One, the gospel is relevant to the whole world. And when I saw this, I just thought, wow. Those ladies at the end, they went into prison yesterday handing out soap and toiletries to prisoners because that's what the gospel does. The gospel is relevant and serves the poor. Uh, It was the quarry that was very quick in the background. You cannot believe the dust, and they just break by hand, and then these stones are used for repairing the world. You just thought, wow, the gospel there is hugely relevant. I'll tell you the thing that stirred me is how do we keep praying? I found it a very chaotic place. I admit I'm white British. Sheshi is building a house there because lots of Tanzanians, that's how they do it. He doesn't even know if he owns the land. (laughs) Somebody sold it to him. But there's no bit of paper. It would take him at least 10 years to get the bit of paper from the government to prove that he owns it. So at the moment, he's building this house with this constant, will I, won't I even own the house that I'm building? And I just thought, wow. The challenges that he faced. I, we saw Tarmac Road there. There was about three Tarmac Roads I went on. Most of them were not. I don't think I went on a road which had street lights. And I just think, golly, he is working so hard. I'd just love to pray for him right yeah. now. Amen. Father, we thank you for partnerships with churches around the world. We thank you, Sheshi was here with us June last year. We thank you, oh God, he's been there three years now. That church is established. We thank you for the elders that they have there. We, we thank you for their heart, oh God, to reach out. We thank you for the number of baptisms they see. I think it's 40 baptisms in the first three years. Father, we celebrate with them. Lord, we do pray you continue to be with them and bless them and grow them. In Jesus' name, amen. They were a huge provocation. They've already sent people on to another church plant, not just down the road. It's in Nairobi, Kenya, the next country. You know what I'm saying? I just think, oh, God, give us that kind of heart. Right. I'm now preaching this morning, and uh, we're going to be looking at Lent. Looking at Lent. 
Yet this Wednesday, in case you're not aware, is the 1st of March, and it's the day after what has now been nicknamed Fat Tuesday. I don't know if you've picked up on that. Apparently, if you're looking on the internet. So I used to call it Shrove Tuesday when I was a kid. If you're, if you're new to England, we cook pancakes. We don't tend to have them for breakfast. We have them just before Lent. Historically, the idea was you, you ate all your rich food on Shrove Tuesday so that from Ash Wednesday, as you might have heard of it, the idea was you had nothing tasty in the house. And there was a period of about 40 days... I say about 40 days because technically, if you want to be legalistic, Lent doesn't cover Sundays. There are six Sundays in the period. It's 46 days to Easter. But we call it the 40 days. This period, you are meant to give stuff up. Historically, people have given up meat, dairy, smoking, swearing, or even social media. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait to Easter. The reality was, and I don't quite know where this comes from in the Bible, it doesn't, but you get chocolate at Easter. And you just sort of think, man, I cannot wait until Easter. But nowadays, I think there's a slight change in our nation and could well be in you. We tend to think more about Lent than necessarily topping up on chocolate at Easter. We often think of Lent as a way of caring for the environment, improving your health, or showing self-restraint. If you are a millennial here today, and if you don't know what that word means, you're not. <laughs> I don't know, you are. Oh, now you suddenly think. Basically, the young today would be much more interested in Lent than my generation. Why is that? Because millennials tend to think their job just opens a door that they then move on and they use, but they don't tend to think, I've got to have stable finances for the rest of my life. Actually, they're very happy to put their homes on Airbnb so that they could fund a trip to another city. That's a millennial. They're much more happy to volunteer and to give to others than my generation. I found it fascinating when coming to preach this morning, I stuck in Lent... And do you know what came up? The Mirror, The Sun, and The Daily Express, they've all got articles on it because they're saying now that this is back in vogue. It was on the first page. Historically, my generation, we tended to think about Lent as a time to focus. In prayer, we'd focus on God. In fasting, we'd focus on ourselves, And in giving, we'd focus on others. It's easy, therefore, to approach Lent and think it's all about self-examination. But we're actually going to be looking at this for the next seven weeks. I, I'm calling it sacrifice and encounter today to think, what is this really all about? So if you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you could turn to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four accounts of the life of Jesus this is the start of what's called the New Testament, which records about the life of Jesus onwards. Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to read the account of Jesus being tested in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Just think about that sentence. I mean, that just seems... A, a, he was hungry. I, I'd be absolutely ravenous. 
40 days, 40 nights, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, (laughs) for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Wow. Some of us would have heard this passage many times. And for some of us, if we're totally honest, it could be totally new. You could be here for the baptism today and think, God, I've never read about this. I'm going to uh, do three points this morning. You'll often find guys in church do that. My first one is sacrifice. Jesus, the Son of God, is led into a very difficult place. The desert. Extremely hot in the day, extremely cold at night. He was isolated. He was lonely. He had no support. He's endured temptation over a sustained period of time. He's questioned, he's goaded, he's mocked, and he's offered a shortcut to success. We don't know much about the first 30 years of Jesus' life. This is almost like the boom moment. And what's the word that would describe it? Sacrifice. Jesus makes a sacrifice. The Bible does not shy from asking you to pay a price. I've loved it this morning, absolutely loved it. Word after word, God says, I love you. God says, I'm your father. That is totally true. And yet there's also this sense, if you follow me, you pay a price. Let's just skip through the Bible fairly quickly. One of the main characters in the Old Testament, this is probably thousands of years ago, was a guy called Abraham. Abraham was asked to leave his family. He was asked to leave his homeland. He was asked to go on a journey, but he didn't actually know where he was going. And it said that he decides to follow God and he goes. Abraham became very rich. Loads of cattle, which was the way you express riches in those days. He had servants. He had all this kind of stuff. But one thing he didn't have was an heir, a son. And he's like, oh, God, give me a son. Long story short, he gets a son by the name of Isaac. And then God says to him in Genesis 22, take your son, is underlined this, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. I mean, I don't understand how God could ask someone this. 
I mean, this is not a parenting morning this morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you're a parent here, sometimes you think, I would quite willingly. No, no, none of us would think that. But you think, man, my kid, they just pushed me to the edge. Father, I think you're telling me to sacrifice one today. We honestly don't think like that, do we? I mean, it's just a barbaric thing. But what was being discovered, and in fact, Hebrews, we've heard some readings from Hebrews. Hebrews said he's basically received Isaac back from the dead. Isaac didn't die, in case you're now worried, in case you're not listening for the rest of the sermon. Abraham takes him up the mountain. He's about to kill him. He literally pulls out the knife. He's tied him down. He's got him on the wood. He's about to, and God cries out, don't. And it says there's a sort of goat, isn't it? And he sacrifices the goat instead. A substitute. Many would say that points to Christ. I wish I had more time. All I'm saying is Abraham was asked to sacrifice the most precious thing he had. That is something of the Bible. Another character you might have heard of from the Old Testament was a guy called David. David was the king of Israel. He was the second king of Israel, to be totally honest. God had said, look, I'm really your king. But the people said, no, no, we want a physical king. So he ended up relenting and giving them a guy called Saul. Saul messed up. And so therefore, David, who was a man after God's own heart, becomes king. Unfortunately, David, and the Bible tells us this, didn't do everything right. And so in those days, you didn't count how many people you had in the army because you were meant to trust God. didn't matter how many you've got. God was able to do it. In fact, Gideon, when he went into the battle one time, you know, he had thousands. And God said, no, no, there's far too many. You're going to think you've done all this. Get rid of loads. If they're scared, tell them to go home. He ended up with 300. Why? Because he's saying, it's about me. Well, David forgot that. And so he sent out his guys and said, count the whole army. And God says, look, you've done wrong. And so what happens is there is a three-day plague that comes against the people. 70,000 people die. I mean, that's a huge challenge, isn't it? David, and you can read about it in 2 Samuel, it's a book of the Old Testament, 24, ends up going to this place and offering a sacrifice to God. To try and, you know, see if God would, would stop this sort of horrendous death toll. Now, the guy that he goes to says, look, I want to buy this place here. Basically, I've got to sacrifice to God. You know, this is, this is a real mess and we need to get this sorted. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, please do it. In fact, you, you can just have the land. In fact, you know, I could give you the cattle. In fact, you know, and David said this, no, I won't sacrifice to him that which cost me nothing. So there was a sense of, actually, you pay a price. Paul picked up on this whole theme when he writes to the church in the the book of Romans. And many would say this is one of the biggest books in the New Testament. And it it unpacks the whole gospel. And in the first half, he's talking about, actually, you were caught in your sin, but Jesus Christ died for you. And in the second half, he says, this is how I want you to behave. Well, in Romans chapter 12, he says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So I've got this one word that I'm bringing to you this morning, sacrifice. And it's not for you to apply to the person next to you. I'm bringing the challenge to you and to me as we go into this season of Lent. This is not a totally alien concept to our society. Lionel Messi, Argentinian, 
who plays for Barcelona. Some would say the best footballer in the world, unless you fancy Ronaldo. You have to fight to reach your dream. You have to sacrifice and work hard for it. So as a professional footballer, he would say, look, if I really want to be the best, I'm prepared to sacrifice. Now, you might say, look, I'm not into sport, Pete. We've just done Arsenal. Okay, what about Nelson Mandela? Nelson Mandela, who was the former president of South Africa, he said this, I will not leave South Africa, nor will I surrender. Only through hardship, sacrifice, and militant action can freedom be won. So he would say, to make a change, I recognize I've got to make a sacrifice. I'm prepared to make that sacrifice. My question then at the beginning of Lent is what will you sacrifice? What will you sacrifice? Will you give up ambition to serve somebody else? Will you give up sleep to read the Bible and pray? Would you give up takeaway coffee so that you could give more? Would you give up food for a season so that you can feast on God? Would you give up comfort to obey his call? Or would you give up all street cred to get baptized? I think there's a challenge to us. Unfortunately, Steve Page, who's one of our members, is not able to be here. He'd written this poem, and I said I'd love to use it. Have I loved enough? Have I denied myself? Have I ducked the responsibility that comes with so much grace? Is mine a cost worth counting? Is mine a cross worth lifting? Have I reduced my discipleship to a too comfortable pace? Lord, I'm tired of this highway with its crowded lanes and tolls to pay. Let me live your love without speed limits along your narrow way. And Steve, I would say by this whole poem, he's he's been challenging himself and, and I guess challenging us as well. Come on, how do we genuinely follow him? How do we give our all to him? We know through the life of Jesus Christ that victory comes via the cross. Abraham, that I was telling you, had his son spared. God did not. David paid for his sacrifice out of his treasures. Jesus gave all that he had. Paul asked the church to live right, whereas Jesus died to make the sacrifice for us. He surely is the one that challenges us. Now, if you're visiting, you might suddenly think, oh, this is why I always worried about church. They're always asking you to make a sacrifice. I don't want to come to church. It's just a whole sense of things I've got to give up. I told you there was more than one point. The first point is sacrifice. The second point for me is encounter. Encounter. You see, in the last verse that we read, the devil left Jesus, and we know that angels attended him. But actually, if we really scanned out, and if we really could read the whole book of Matthew this morning, what would we realize as a result of chapter 4 and this temptation and this sacrifice? We would read this. 
Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. A centurion's daughter is raised from the dead. Peter's mother-in-law is restored from her fever. He steals the, the waves of the storm. He sets the man with a demon free. He makes the paralyzed to walk and forgive sins. The old woman who's been cursed with bleeding for 12 years is healed. And then he says to his disciples, you go and do it yourself. Now, in Tanzania, I would have got an amen on that one. I am still used to Africa. Bring me back slowly. Amen. That's what we like. You see, from Genesis to Revelation, if you looked at the whole book, Jesus wants to be known. God wants to be encountered. He walks in the garden and he feasts in the wedding. It's about encounter. Please, what I am not trying to say to you is Lent is about what you do for him. I believe there is sacrifice, but it's a means to an end that we might encounter the living God. The whole way through this book, there is one thing that goes on. I'm connecting, says God. If God was here, I genuinely believe in that two-minute break. You know what I'm saying? I think he'd be like this. I, I, want, I want to touch you all. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm going to be, I, because I believe that he is a God that encounters. It's not just, oh, well, you know, I just came here and I gave up my Sunday morning. He encounters each one of us. The Israelites were promised in Exodus 33. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. We know in Deuteronomy 4, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? God is here. If we go into Lent thinking, oh golly, how long till Easter? We've missed it. We've missed it. Three chapters before, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is introduced. We often read it at Christmas. Why? Because his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. By the end of the book, he's even saying, in fact, it's recorded in John probably, but by the end of the gospel, he's saying, look, it's best that I leave you and I go back to the Father in heaven. Why? Because there was one man walking the earth and crowds could be around him. But actually, I'll pour out my spirit, which means every single person can encounter him. So you walk out of this room and you think, God, he's with me. I could not be with you all this week. But he can. Doesn't matter where you are, on the tube, on the bus, at home. I'm alone. Never alone because he encounters you. That's the whole thing, isn't it? says in John 16, I tell you, it's very good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. My kids have listened to several of my sermons over the years. I've lost count. They've only ever asked for me to re-preach one. Yeah, I find it quite personal, but let's, let's just take the good. At least they asked me to re-preach one of them. The one that they've often said, Dad, preach it again, would be the one on the prodigal son. Because that story surely moves us about this son that grows up with a father. And he basically says to the father, I wish you were dead. And he takes his inheritance. And In our country, we might think, well, what's wrong? I need your money, dad, for a deposit for a house. But in that culture, it was really saying, I wish you were dead. He goes off. He does his own thing. He parties. He spends the money on prostitutes. He blows it. He comes to his senses, decides to go home. 
says, I could never be your son, but I could be your servant. The father runs to him, runs a long way out, takes the shame, puts his arms around him, says, son, you're welcome home. Why do they love that one? Because I believe it talks about a father that encounters the son. And that's the God that we serve, isn't it? It's not some rules. It's not some, oh, what, what have I got to do? You know, we're not baptizing someone today because they've just, oh, he's got these rules. But because they've encountered him. If you don't know him, he wants to encounter you. That's the whole purpose of the story. How do we encounter him? Nikki came back from the ladies' afternoon yesterday called Encourage. I know Anne-Marie was sensational. She's got an incredible singing voice, but what Nikki said was, I felt like I encountered God. I know that this church is hungry for this. We have what's called meetups. Um, you know, they could be anything from running to squash. I know the first one that got filled was supernatural ministry because people thought, I'm desperate to encounter him. I love that about us. Let's never lose that. What is it about? Lent is about sacrifice and encounter. Now, I want to encourage you all guys to get involved. Lent is, as I said, 40 days. I believe, and I've got to be very careful because I'm running short of time, that actually 40 days is a biblical thing where God does some amazing stuff. And I want us to come full of faith. Now, if you're not quite sure where to say amen, just say it after every point. Okay? Thank you. I'm going to go through this quickly. God acts. In Noah, we can read the story about Noah in Genesis 7. Seven days from now, I will send the rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. This was a period of time where God acts. I genuinely believe this period, God acts. My confidence is not in you or me, but in God. I want you to approach this series not thinking, oh, what can Pete or the church whip up? What could God do? Come on, we've got to be excited about that. I am looking for an amen on that point. Exodus 24, Moses entered the clouds as he went up on the mountain. This is up on Sinai. He stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. You see, this was a period of time of encountering God. We know that he came down with the Ten Commandments, but actually before he had the commandments, he had this chance, how do I encounter God? The whole purpose of this 40 days is will you come and encounter him? Can you believe for that? Or do you just think, oh, it's just I'm counting down to Easter. Amen? Amen. Numbers 13, 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Now, this was when the, the, the tribe, uh, the Israelites had been walking around the desert for 40 years. They send in these 12 spies to have a little look at what's going to happen. How long are they looking? 40 days. You see, I believe that 40 days was this thing to give you a vision for something bigger and better. And I want us to approach this series thinking, God, could you open my eyes for something bigger and better? Or do we just think, oh, it's just a, it's another sermon series. No, God, this is a 40 days. How could I encounter with you? Amen. You see, there's lots in the Bible. 1 Samuel 17. For 40 days, the Philistine, this was Goliath, came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. 
I think for some of us, 40 days will be a challenge. Some of us have even heard, you know, it's not always easy being a Christian. But at the end of the 40 days, David comes and Goliath is slain. And it doesn't matter if we're facing a challenge, I still believe that a saviour, David pointed to Christ, will come and set us free. So surely we could come thinking, what's this whole thing about Lent? Hey, I'm going through a difficult time, but I believe my Redeemer will come. Amen? Amen? 1 Kings 19 verse 8. So he got up, this is Elijah, he ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled for 40 days. I mean, this is Red Bull in the Bible, isn't it? I mean, he had one meal and it sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights. There was strength for the battle in the period. You see what I'm saying? He's just about to confront Jezebel. He's about to take on the whole nation. You know what I'm saying? If your God is real, fine, let the fire come. If my God is real, let the fire come. What's happened? He gets this period of preparation for the battle. I I think, why couldn't we have that? Jonah. Jonah in the Old Testament. He is sent to go and preach to a city called Nineveh. Jonah began doing a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. You could think it was judgment, but ultimately it was grace. Because we know that the city turned in those 40 days and God spared the judgment. So I think, why couldn't we approach this believing for 40 days of grace? Why couldn't we believe, actually, yeah, I deserve punishment. But surely this is a season of sacrifice and encounter where grace will come to me. Acts 1.13. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them, this is Jesus, he's risen from the dead, over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. There's this thing, isn't there? There is power. I've risen from the dead and I'm going to invest 40 days in you before I ascend and you won't see me anymore. And so I want us to come with this whole sense of, whoa, (laughs) this is not just Lent. This is not, can I give up social media or swearing or, you know, become a veggie for 40 days. This is, what can I sacrifice that I might encounter him and situations could be changed? I mean, this is incredible stuff, isn't it? I'm thrilled that we're going to be baptizing this morning. I believe this is another faith statement. Historically in the church, people would baptize on Easter Sunday. Historically, there was a sense of, oh, they've gone through the 40 days And they've got there. But I believe that this is a sense of actually all that he's done, we can enjoy right here, right now. You see, this is not about being good enough. This is not, oh, well, I mean, obviously she does look amazing, beautiful girl. But it's not about our appearance. It's not about what we've done. It's about what he's done for us. And so there's a sense even here of I will sacrifice and I genuinely am praying this week, you encounter God in a whole new way. We believe the Bible says, believe and be baptized. If we're really honest, many of us fought it and thought, oh, I don't know, is he really speaking to me? After we've done it, we thought, wow, that was great, can I do it again? <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't. But I do believe there's something about you taking a step today of saying, I sacrifice 
He's my Lord, not just my Savior. He's my Lord. I will get baptized. And our prayer is that you encounter him in a much more powerful way in the days, the weeks, and the months to come. And what a great sign this is to the rest of us as we go in to Lent. Okay, I'm asking for a sacrifice. But actually, that's not the end in itself. The whole purpose, really, is that you could encounter more of him. Will you come with a sense of faith for these 40 days? What could God do? You've said amen a lot. I'd like everyone to say stop. Stop. Oh, that was weak, wasn't it? Okay, let's go start. Start. I'm going to pray for people on those two bases. About sacrifice, some of you have stopped making a sacrifice for God. If you're really honest, you've got tired. You think, I, I, I don't know, I, I gave, I prayed, I fasted, I did something, I've stopped doing it. And I'm going to ask you in this period to start again. Others here, you've stopped feeling the presence of God. And you say, well, that's fine because I know it's by faith. But actually, he still wants you to feel him. He still wants you to encounter him. And the danger is that you just think, oh, golly, I, 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 just, I can't remember the last time I really felt like I enjoyed his presence. But he wants you to. And I'm going to pray in these 40 days that you, you encounter him in such a tender, close, significant way. And so if you'd like to respond to either that, you think, look, I've stopped sacrificing to him, or I've not felt his presence for a long time, I would like you to stand right where you are, and I'm going to pray that these 40 days are significant for you. If you want to respond, please stand. I'll pray, and then we'll move on. Jesus, we declare that you made the ultimate sacrifice for us, that we might encounter the Father. Lord, I pray for everyone who stood. I don't know whether they've given up on sacrificing and just making a fresh dedication this morning, or whether they're coming hungry to say, I long to encounter him. Father, whatever it is, I pray these 40 days bring radical change. We believe this is a a, a biblical thing of of change that comes. We come right now and we pray over every person stood. I've won it myself, Father. Oh, Father, to know you more. To not get tired in in making a sacrifice, in, in, in paying a price. God, I pray for every person in the name of Jesus. This is not just a series that goes in their head, that goes into their heart and and bursts all over the place. They just cannot help but say, wow, I'm being changed. Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.